Please be seated. As many of you know, our, our lectionary is on a three-year cycle, so we're about to leave Mark for a while, and I think the next year is Luke. And we've had a good time with Mark's gospel throughout this, this year, at least I have anyway, I don't know if you have, but I have. It's been quite exciting to see Mark's immediate punchy words that go from one event to the next to the next, and the next big event that will happen right after this reading is this rest of Jesus' apocalyptic discourse. And then he will go into the city of Jerusalem again where his Last Supper will take place and then his betrayal and crucifixion. This is sort of the final bit of Mark, this last apocalyptic speech where Jesus says, all will be torn down. This is not something you want to say at Thanksgiving dinner this week when you're there with your friends and family. I remember back to three years ago, I preached on this very text in a, in a different place. I was standing in the Canterbury pulpit, which is at the Washington National Cathedral. From a ser- series of strange circumstances, I ended up there on a Sunday morning. It was nine hours after the world had heard about the Paris attacks of, of bombing, suicide bombers and shooting that resulted in 130 people being killed and hundreds others wounded terribly. And there in Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, everyone was feeling that. And there in this gigantic cathedral, one of the biggest stone cathedrals in the world, I get to preach on stone buildings being torn down. It was a very strange morning, as I remember. Because I felt that. I felt what this disciple felt, this unnamed disciple who says, Look, teacher, what large stones and what large buildings... Now, if you've read Mark as a whole text, you know that the reading from last week comes right before this week, and it's about a widow that put two coins, her last coins, all that she had in the temple treasury. And Jesus and his disciples observe this, and Jesus is impressed with her and marvels at her. And yet, the takeaway that this disciple, unnamed conveniently, is that that's not that impressive to him. What's impressive is these large stones and these large buildings. In fact, he's no different than us. Well, I was overwhelmed by the size of that building and also overwhelmed by the violence that takes place in our world at a moment's notice that interrupts a music concert or dinner and a stroll down a beautiful street It was overwhelming. And I think three years later, here today, in this beautiful place, but thinking of all those people that have lost their homes in California in the terrible wildfires, thousands of homes destroyed, many people have died and and they're discovering more people every day. It's overwhelming. It does seem like this is a fitting moment for Jesus to give us his apocalyptic discourse. If you looked at that first hymn and you listened to the words of it, it's sort of a thanks-pocalypse hymn, if you will. A hymn that has a story of the end of the world in it, this great harvest of people at the end of all time. Also accompanied with this beautiful words of thanksgiving. They kind of go together this week. 
Jesus knew what the hearers of his day needed to hear. He wasn't preaching what they wanted to hear. He was preaching what they needed to hear. And there his disciples, as they are impressed, not by this widow, but by these amazing and large buildings, Jesus takes them in a completely different direction. The last sermon of his life in the book of Mark. They didn't seem to understand. And if we will miss it too, if we are like these disciples. Jesus always in his apocalyptic discourse here and in the other gospels, as well as all the prophets, always point to the, they always offer a different point than the world offers us. The world offers us a story of progress. In fact, offers us the lie of progress, that everything gets better and better and better and better and better. And we will get richer and richer and richer. We will get stronger and stronger and stronger. And Jesus, in this last sermon, tells us that everything will be thrown down. It's a sobering thing to hear. The word apocalyptic or apocalypse means unveiling of a mystery, the revealing of something that's hidden. In fact, we have a whole book in the New Testament called Revelation, which is an apocalyptic account of that which was and is and is to come. And so Jesus is no different than any of the Old Testament prophets, declaring a message for his own generation, but also a message for all generations that will come. It's a mystery that is being revealed, and this particular mystery that he is revealing to them on this day outside of the temple there on the Mount of Olives is about this place that they have all put their hopes and dreams in, the temple in Jerusalem. It was the second temple built after the first temple had been destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar. All of their hopes and dreams were encapsulated in this building. Jesus loved the temple. He worshipped at the temple. He cleansed the temple when he drove the money changers out. The temple was a place that you could go and get a message from God from. You see that in Hannah doing that at the tabernacle, the precursor to the temple. In fact, the writer calls it the temple in 1 Samuel. But she brings the most anxiety-producing event of her life this, this question of whether she will have a child, she brings that to the gates of the temple to find this message from God there. And so when Jesus says that one stone will not be left upon another, that it will be demolished, he is saying something that scares everyone. He is saying that these particular temple stones that were laid there by Herod the Great, the same warlord tyrant that had tried to kill him as an infant. He is saying that this temple will be destroyed. You see, Jesus is talking in a language that is really terrifying. It's a tense situation there in Jerusalem at Passover in this year. There's a Roman occupation, and the things you say about the temple will get you in trouble. In fact, this is the kind of things they bring up at his trial in just a few days. It's kind of like standing in an airport security line and saying certain words. You will be questioned if you say certain words, taken out of line. And if they think it's serious enough, they'll ask you, when will these things take place? And 
Jesus' disciples ask him when. When will these things take place? What will be the signs that we can know when this will happen? When all will be thrown down? And Jesus tells them. First of all, he says, don't believe anyone. Don't believe anyone. When they come and say, I am he. Because many are going to come and do that. In times of famine and war and rumors of war and earthquakes, at times like this, People always say, I'm the one, I'm the one that can save you. And Jesus says, don't believe them. Many will come. It's usually good advice to be a little bit skeptical about that message. In fact, later he tells his followers to flee to Galilee when this event happens. The event, of course, that he is talking about most specifically is the destruction of the temple in 70 AD when Titus comes in. Titus this Roman general who will eventually become emperor. He is captured most pointedly in Shakespeare's play, play, Titus Andronicus, played by Anthony Hopkins in an amazing performance of this violent leader who, when he besieges Jerusalem after a four-year revolution, the Roman army surrounds Jerusalem, pins down the last defenders in the city, tries to starve them out, crucifies everyone who escapes from the city, to get away. And there, finally, as they invade that final battle, his soldiers burn the temple. And there, searching for the gold that is there in the temple, they turn stones over so that nothing is left standing. And you can go to Rome today and look at the Arch of Titus and see a procession there depicted of this procession of all the temple treasures being taken out of Jerusalem and paraded around. You'll see a menorah there, the lampstand that burned night and day in the presence of God. The lamp that we have burning here night and day in the sanctuary is an echo and a symbol of that lamp that burned, that was taken away. All their hopes and dreams were crushed when this happened. And yet Jesus is not only talking about this future event. He is talking about every event of our lives. Every time we have put our hopes and dreams in one thing made out of stone, all will be thrown down. And yet, Jesus, in this very dark message, this very sad message, this very apocalyptic message that reveals some really horrible things that are going to happen, Jesus offers us hope. He offers us hope by saying that no matter how terrible this event will be, no matter how personally costly and devastating, it is not the end. It is not the end of all things. It is not the end of God's presence here on earth. It is not the end of the gospel, the good news. It is, in fact, a lot like having a baby. It is a lot like the birth pangs that happen. I'm here as a man talking today. I've never experienced these things. I have, I have watched them a few times. And it's the closest thing to death I've ever seen. Why did anyone do this? I've always wondered. And why would anyone do it a second time? It's mind-boggling. Because it is like dying. It's really scary. That's just as an observer. And yet that is the metaphor that Jesus uses for this kind of event where our world turns upside down and we lose 
the one thing we've put all our hope in. In our lives, when it seems like irresistible forces have invaded our lives, they've taken control of us. There's nothing we can do but watch it all unfold. And we just weep. And it seems like no one listens or cares. It's in these events that Jesus says, these events are the beginning of the birth pangs. There is something new being born into the world, into our lives. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. It's not all flowers and sunshine. It's actually that those struggles are the birth pangs and the birth is coming. And so, like our collect says, we read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest these apocalyptic scriptures too. Because in them is the mystery of the gospel, that there is always death before resurrection. There is always incredible loss before this new birth comes into the world. It was true for Jesus' listeners in those days and true for us today.